one thing that we've definitely recognized is that users who have converted or have been a subscriber are more likely to convert again. If you think about retention versus acquisition, it's always easier to keep a user than to get a new user. How do you manage a portfolio of over 200 apps with hundreds of millions of users? Most of the marketing leaders that we chat with manage one or maybe two, maybe even three apps for one singular brand. Our guest today, however, markets hundreds of apps over multiple verticals to optimize engagement, retention, subscription revenue, and ultimately growth. My name is John Gutsier. Welcome to Clever Tap Engage. And my name is Peggy Ann Saltz. Of course, Clever Tap Engage is all about finding the best mobile marketers on the planet, really, and sharing their secrets with you. We're chatting with Ashley Fawcett. She's a marketer with extensive expertise and experience across several industries, right? She's seen the business, John, from both sides, determining strategy, driving execution. She spent most of her career or much of her early career at early stage startups co-founded two companies on her own before moving to take a position of chief operating officer at Stardust, a really cool social app for TV and movie fans. And now she is today VP of marketing at Maple Media, a mobile media advertising technology company that acquires and operates category leading consumer apps on the App Store and Google Play. So welcome, Ashley, to Clever Tap Engage. Thank you, Peggy and John. It's really fun to be back chatting with you, Peggy. Awesome. Wow, you are super accomplished. That is impressive. Mm -hmm. I love people who are in marketing who have actually started their own companies. That is really, really interesting because, you know, honestly, that teaches you something about the entire business that you don't learn when you're just in the marketing role. So super props for that. You know, I we have a whole script and I want to get into all the questions we've got for you about subscriptions and retention and engagement, all that stuff. But Maple Media, that is a sort of house of brands in a sense. Can you give a sense for people who are watching, you know, who is Maple Media? What do you do? Some, what are some of your key apps? Sure. Um, well, like you mentioned in the intro, we are a mobile media and advertising company that acquires, owns, and operates, a, you know, a massive portfolio of mobile apps and games. And so, you know, we sort of touch on on all verticals from productivity apps that are sort of used on a daily basis to social media, photo editing platforms, casual games from Solitaire to Mahjong to Sudoku. We have podcasting apps and, you know, skateboarding and snowboarding games. So we, we really span <laughs> the whole gamut, um, which keeps it really exciting and fresh. And every day is a new opportunity and a new challenge to tackle. Clearly, Maple Media is like the VC of mobile apps. You've got some amazing ones there. I noticed some names that I recognize because, of course, Peggy and I are in podcasting. You've got some really big podcasting brands there. But let's jump into our questions here. I mean, you don't just run marketing for one app. That's typically the challenge that we talk to people about, right? You lead a team of marketers who manage 200 plus apps. That's got to be pretty different. How on earth does that work? <laughs> Great, great question. Um, you know, because we have such a variety of, of categories, there are some apps where marketing is a little bit more plug and play, right? So 
the the hyper casual games we've sort of drilled that into a science a lot of that kind of runs behind the scenes we'll make tweaks here and there as we go along marquee apps definitely require a lot more attention and care throughout the process and so really we look at where the opportunity is for growth where the opportunity is you know to grow the not only the user base but grow revenue grow subscriptions um and so we really focus on I would say between eight and 10 of our of our really most popular apps. So just eight and 10 at one time, John, that's not too <laughs> no <much>. biggie. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, you know, just, just eight or 10. That's a walk <laughs> in the park. What I love about you, Ashley, and I know you for a little bit longer, is that you do love a challenge. And uh, you have a challenge because you've got to align product and marketing. And that's what everyone has to do right now. But there's a lot of tension. Well, I wouldn't say a lot of tension, but there is some tension between product and marketing because product is like they love the product, right? And they're looking at uh, the features and you're looking at the marketing. So you're maybe saying, hey, that feature you love so much. Well, that's the one they're dropping out on uh, in the onboarding and you need to fix it. So there's a little bit of back and forth there. They love a new feature and they're like, hey, market it and put it in the campaigns. I'm curious how you balance that and broker that because it's a difficult exchange, but it can get amazing results. I think that's one of the biggest challenges probably at any mobile app organization. It's like you said, the product managers are, I mean, the, the apps are their babies, right? They're so near and dear and, and the features are very personal and they shepherd those from inception to design, to development, to testing. Um, but you know, from a marketing perspective, when a new feature is launched or a new product comes on the market, we really have to look at the data to understand how users are interacting with that feature. If it is, like you said, a point of drop off in the funnel, and there has to be really good communication between the two departments to really, you know, sort of weed through the noise of like, but I love this. I love this feature and we've worked so hard and the design is so cool to like, Yes, but there's something about it that seems to not quite be clicking with users. And so there has to be some trust between both sides of the teams. You sort of have to leave your ego at the door, right? And and just try to figure out and distill it down to like what is working and what isn't and, and be willing and flexible to change the things or make some iterations so we can get the features to a better place. I'm also hearing in the market that it's a little bit about they want different data, you want different data. It's sort of, you all need data. You have to figure out how to get data to each person, a little bit of democratization of the data as well. And also bringing people literally onto the same page. I'm just curious in that because it is about data-driven marketing and it is about engagement. The product team you know, reports on a lot of the KPIs and metrics on their side. So they're looking at a lot of, you know, very specific usage points and, you know, active users and, and how many times users are, um, you know, engaging with a particular feature. We're really looking at the data from like a broader sense, right? We're looking at are the ads that we're running to acquire new users that are highlighting this particular new feature, are those converting? Is that helping people get into the funnel? Um, where are sort of the points of, of drop-off? How, how can we understand from a marketing perspective how, how the product is being perceived and then sort of share that data? So, so the marketing team or some of the marketing team sits in on the product updates where their data is being shared. 
we invite the product team to the marketing meetings where they can see the data that we're looking at. And then we sort of find where the data intersects and, and there's opportunities to, to share and brainstorm and, and, you know, carve a new path. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> Let's talk a little iOS 14.5 and maybe even 15, which is coming up in sheesh three days or something like that'll drop. How did you navigate losing the IDFA uh, making decisions about whether to ask for it or not, implementing some sort of attribution via SKAD network, all that stuff. How did that work for you? Well, I cried. I didn't cry. <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, it's it's something that from a digital marketing oh. perspective has been absolutely crucial. And so it almost feels like losing a limb. Um and I, you know, there's all of this data and aggregation and great, we know, you know overall how many users came from a particular ad, but it makes it really challenging to personalize the rest of the user experience. I'm on iOS 15 already and I, I always opt in and I share my data just yes. because I, I feel the pain um, <laughs> that we experience in this industry. Um, but you know, there are some, some really great tips and tricks that I think marketers have used along the way where if you know a particular user came from a specific ad or channel, you can sort of serve the same creative or use the same messaging in their onboarding flow, or maybe it's a mm -hmm. triggered email that you're sending because you know they came from Facebook or you know they came from Google. And, and not having that one-to-one -one info makes it, it makes it really challenging. So, you know, we're, we're constantly brainstorming right now of, of, of how do we continue to personalize, especially because a lot of our apps don't require users to create an account. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so how do we get that extra data point? How do we decide, you know, maybe our solitary users do need to give us our email because for whatever reason we dream up and then we can make their experience more personalized. Um, I think an, another thing to note beyond the attribution side of things is now with iOS 15, there is mail protection privacy. So KPIs that, you know, email marketers have been relying on, you know, open rates is going to go away. IP address is going to go away. So how do we, how do we segment users based on where they are, right? We have one of our top apps is high def weather and it's a really popular weather app. And obviously there have been all sorts of hurricanes and storms and, and fires and, and crazy weather. And we don't really have the opportunity to message and say, hey, everybody in Texas, there is a storm coming your way. Like make sure, you know, bring your umbrella or hey, it looks like it's gonna get hot up in the Pacific Northwest, like it, like fire warning. So we're, we're more limited from an engagement standpoint. So. You know, that's as really, the industry changes, we have to change and get even more creative. That's really interesting, actually, because that speaks to the product marketing mix that Peggy was talking about, because you might have to redesign that product to get, you know, somebody who has signed up and given you some information or prompt them as to why they should go into their settings <laughs> and make a change. Yeah. Allow you to Especially see the hurricane warning, John. I'm just running <laughs> exactly. that through my that's mind. Right. Right. 
And, and it's about the messaging too and, and helping the users understand the value of sharing that information with us. So like, you know, enable location services so we can let you know when a storm is coming. Or on the other side of that, from a, from a product data perspective, how do we start building segments of users who seem to be zooming in on Texas or keep checking, you know, for lightning alerts? Maybe we can then sort of draw some insights around people based on... Mm user behavior and and make a best guess there. One really interesting thing, Peggy, uh, before I hand it back to you, is that I heard from Ashley that I have not heard. I mean, we've been talking iOS 14.5 and IDFA and ATT for months now, and I have not heard this, and it makes mm -hmm. perfect sense, the onboarding experience. If you wanted to customize the onboarding experience, you don't get the post back right away. The postback might come 24 hours later. It might come three days later, depending on how you set it up. So you don't have that immediate knowledge of what campaign somebody came in from or what channel they came in from. And you can't immediately personalize that onboarding, that first experience. That's a good point. To her point, you know, there's a reason to opt into tracking. It's not just like a political decision. <laughs> but and uh, I think, you know, that's where messaging comes in. You really have to explain why we need the data. Right. And then if you, if, if the users are really clear on what you're going to do with it and, and why you need it and how you're going to use it, then they might be more likely to opt in. But it, I think it's that transparency that is key. If you're just asking to ask, it feels a little more, what are you going to do with my data? Yes. But let me know where you are so we can, we can make sure that you are aware of the weather in your area. You talk about value, the value proposition of the app. I want to get back to the apps and I want to talk about understanding the value exchange because you have a lot of productivity apps also the weather app we're talking about where you know audiences get it they understand the value exchange and they're going to buy into it but you also want to make certain that you continually and consistently attract the high value users from the get-go that seems to be the prize right i'm wondering first of all what does a highly engaged user look like to you because you have to fish where the fish are what do they look like i mean it depends on the app so Stocks Plus is one of our most popular apps providing daily market updates and, and news and insights, you know, right from the palm of your hand. So, so our engaged users that are using the Stocks app are in there Monday through Friday, right? There's high engagement every day. Maybe they're launching the app several times a day, or they're getting push notifications about um, something in their portfolio that they're watching. They want to know if Apple's stock went up. They want to know, you know, what's happening with Tesla. So there's engagement metrics around that. And then another one of our great productivity apps is called Dialogue, which is a translation app. So um, voice to speech rec recognition. You can take a photo of a menu or of a sign and it will automatically translate. So there's a much more, um, you know, like high intention around that, that app, right? Maybe mm -hmm. users are downloading it because they're traveling overseas on vacation, they're on a business trip. And so maybe a highly engaged user is opening that, you know, 10, 20, 15, 50 times a day. Mm -hmm. So it, it really varies. And, and that's part of the challenge of marketing a portfolio of such a broad range of apps is really drilling into the specifics for each one, for, you know, I can't just mm -hmm. say from, from an overall perspective, engagement looks like this. It, it varies wildly and mm -hmm. we have to pay attention to that. 
let's talk a little bit about subscriptions. Um, that is a super hot thing. It's been a super hot thing for over a year, obviously, but I think even getting hotter right now, given on, on the iOS side, the ability to potentially manage payments yourself and potentially take more and not give Apple 30%. So your goal at Maple in a lot of your apps, I'm guessing maybe not the hyper casual, but in a lot of the apps is to drive subscription revenue. How do you do that? How does personalization fit into that? Great. I mean, testing, 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 right? Uh, we are iterating all the time. One thing that we've found to be really beneficial is um, price elasticity. So we're open to, you know, incrementally increasing or decreasing a subscription price based on sort of the data or the conversion rates that we're seeing. Um, there are some of our apps where we offer a free trial and the length of that trial also sort of depends on the kind of app. So it's, it's interesting. So we, we're really looking at free trial to conversion and then, you know, subscription renewals. And we're playing with a lot of different durations. So the translation app dialogue that I mentioned, um, we offer on a weekly subscription base, right? We talked about the high intent user proposition, like people who are traveling, who, who need to be able to, to use this on a daily basis. But the majority of the apps that have subscription models are either monthly, some of them are annual subscriptions. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting because, you know, from, from a revenue standpoint, annual recurring revenue is, is, you know, um, definitely more desirable. And also you're reminding users uh, less frequently that they're paying for your product, right? So, you know, so, so you're not saying like, hey, you know, you're paying us again today. And also they have that duration of time to really make usage of your app a habit, right? They, it's, it comes part of their daily life. They're using it. Whereas monthly, you know, there's a little bit more mm -hmm. friction. They're being reminded, maybe they're gonna drop off. So it's challenging. So the other challenging thing about a yearly subscription is that we have to wait a whole year for the data. So in terms of lifetime value or things like that, we can't act as quickly as we can from monthly mm -hmm. subscriptions. So we can't, you know, iterate or make adjustments um, or react in real time. But in terms of whether or not we're offering a trial really depends on the product itself. Um, PicStitch is a popular um, photo editing and collage making app. And so in PicStitch, we do not offer a trial because the value prop is pretty clear. SwiftScan, which is our PDF document scanner, we tested taking the free trial out and conversions dropped. And we realized, oh, okay, no, this is an app where people really need to be able to get in there, to play around, to understand how it functions, to see all of the features. And so, so it's, it's also about kind of figuring out you know, the, the messaging or, or really proving the value proposition to your users. So crazy just listening to this because usually Peggy and I are talking with a person who has one app, right? And they're, they're marketing that app. You've got learnings across many apps and you can apply those to the other apps. The other thing that I picked out of there, Peggy, that was really interesting that echoes a comment that we heard literally yes. a couple of days ago, pricing elasticity. 
And we've yes. heard of people, marketers who are saying, you know what, sometimes the price is this much for that user and this much for that user, maybe depending on channel that they came from, maybe something about their usage patterns or other things like that. Very interesting, sometimes challenging waters to be uh, swimming in. So price is one way to address those audiences. And you want to be really precise. You really do. As you said, you know, you want high value users. It looks different per app category, but overall you do. But then you're the kind of family portfolio of apps that you appeal to a broad audience and you want to be broad. You want to branch out into those other segments, you know, out onto the fringe of people who are not exactly a lookalike, but enough like a lookalike that they would be interesting. So how do you actually focus the segmentation where, yes, you have personas that are a perfect match, and then you have others that are just trying it out. You know, just let's just see what happens if we if we try to address this audience. All right, that's exactly it. I mean, from your core user base, you can draw a pretty clear user persona, as you mentioned. And beyond that, it is hypothesizing and testing. Um, SwiftScan, which I just mentioned, has very obvious business uses. So a lot of our user base are CPAs or lawyers or people who are scanning documents for clients and either need to be able to do it quickly on the go or you know are working from home and don't have their professional grade scanner available right now. Um, so it's really easy for us to, to market to that demographic. But how do we expand on that? How do we get more creative and, and try to find some of those other segments of users who might benefit? So yeah, like you said, it's like, this is the core feature and, and this is the core segment, but like, how else could we use this app? Who else could benefit from it? How are we, how do we just stretch our thinking to really invite a broader audience? It's about stretching your thinking. Now, budgets, you can't always stretch this. You, <laughs> you have to have a little bit of a formula going on here. And many marketers, you know, it's the 80-20, be safe for 80, splurge on the 20, try something new, take the plunge. Is there anything that you're looking at that's similar that says, yeah, let's cast that wide net, but maybe not too wide? I mean, we play by the 80-20 rule. It's mm -hmm. so tried and true, okay. um, but you do have okay. to get really creative. And sometimes you'll run a test and see that there's been really great success with that. And then you can sort of lean into that. One thing that we've definitely recognized is that users who have converted or have been a subscriber are more likely to convert again. If you think about um, you know, retention versus acquisition, it's always easier to keep a user than to get a new user. So part of the strategy is really expanding on the products that we have and, and building out additional features that continue to add value. So beyond, you know, sort of the initial subscription tier, we're looking at ways to, to build even more premium features and maybe start to add tiered subscriptions. So um, I think a good example out in the marketplace would be Netflix. And so Netflix, you know, once they launched their streaming service, it was like a flat, this is what it is per month. But then, oh, do you want to be able to watch content on two screens at the same time? You can do that, but then that's at this tier. So it's kind of modeling after that thinking. So right now in our stocks app, you know, there, there's a premium subscription version and we're looking at adding another tier that includes 
premium news and stock analysis from you know traders and insiders that might be appealing to a segment of our existing consumers but gives us an opportunity to sort of level up and um and increase revenue given the uh epic games versus apple web uh, lawsuit that we saw recently uh, are you thinking of taking payments in-house at all we are and we're totally ahead of the game um, we actually started working on that a few months ago Wow! with the anticipation that like this Apple Epic thing is probably going to shake out maybe the first of the year. So I think we started building out our own payment platform around like at the, at the end of the spring um, <laughs> and are testing now. And part of that strategy is, is a, not only to manage the payment process and dodge some of the the markup on the Apple side, but also to be able to offer our products and just make the experience better for the end user. So each one of our products sort of lives on its own. It's its own brand. And while the brands can be well-known, Maple Media isn't really well-known, right? And so mm -hmm. maybe you have Stocks Plus, but you don't know about High Def Weather or Swift Scan but you would benefit from those. And so we're going to come this fall, be launching appbundles.com, which will package some of our productivity apps as an all-in-one um, nice. at a really great price for users. So it'll help us introduce our products to a broader audience that, that we're already talking to, but because they live in different buckets, there hasn't been a lot of crossover communication. Um, so, wow. so looking at things like a productivity bundle, we'll be doing some sort of like photo editing bundle. Maybe there will be, you know, a gaming bundle down the road, but, but all of those purchases, like you were saying, will live in our platform. It sounds like news. I hadn't it heard sounds... this before. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind just... of excited. This. <laughs> it's not live. It's coming. No, it's just here. But it's going to be really exciting. I know. <laughs> it is. Not only do we have a scoop, Tom, but, you know, think about it. This is... Um, using bundling to address audiences and segment them in different ways. So if you were thinking, yeah, I want to get that fringe, right? And I don't really want to maybe go beyond the 80-20. Well, now you don't. You go into a bundle, you get an interesting, broader audience, and you make money at the same time. And thanks to Epic, you keep it. I mean, how well, can that well, lose? 100%, Peggy, 100%, Peggy, because awesome. guess what? I want that app for sure, but now I can yeah. have the five apps, right? Yeah. And somebody else wanted that app and somebody else wanted that app, but they very, very cool. Love it. Love it. Love it. And so yeah. early. I mean, I have to say, I'd love to know who did that because that's a very happy camper there saying, yeah, they're going <laughs> yeah. to nail this. You know, let's, let's bet the farm on this one. I mean, guts. We, guts. we have really brilliant forward thinking leadership on our, and our company um, running the ship. So it's all, all them. I want to come to another topic about your other job, because I think you're bringing a lot with you from that. And that was when you sure. were shaping communities, cool discussions about awesome movies. We got into some Star Wars debates, I recall. We really did. We really did. <laughs> we went deep. We went deep. And um, you're bringing that with you. You're not able to necessarily create a community at Maple Media, but you're talking about these bundles. And, you know, there's going to be some follow on conversation and engagement uh, messaging and deepening that. What did you bring from Stardust to Maple Media and where are you going to put that to work? Honestly, probably one of the biggest learnings is being able to deliver 
a high quality usable app that has features that your users are going to engage with. And that's not nearly as exciting as our Star Wars conversation. <laughs> no, really when you, actually. <laughs> I know. I mean, but honestly, you know, because of the challenges um, with IDFA, because a lot of our apps um, don't require account creation, we don't have as much, you know, detailed data on our users as we did at Stardust. I mean, it was really easy to find every single user who rated Empire Strikes Back five stars. And, you know, like, like we could get so granular and just the nature of the apps that we have in our portfolio here, it's, it's just a much different approach. I will say our, our social media app, We Heart It, which is a, a photo um, sharing app, is very, very community-based, has a lot of similarities to the Stardust community in that they're just really passionate about the things that they love and care about. They're a very inclusive and inviting community. Finding ways to sort of unite them or introduce the community to, to other people who are sharing on the platform or um, you know, introduce them to collections of pictures or articles that, that we can tell that they would be interested based on engagement of, of other content on the platform. That's a really great way for us to continue to like weave in um, the messaging and, and the community and, and just continue to grow that. Love it, love it. And Peggy, I know you're a big Star Wars geek, so you must have loved that conversation. I can possibly one up you on one aspect. Luke Skywalker did like one of my tweets last week. <sighs> yeah, Mark Hamill. So that was that was like that made my week. You have so many apps. You've got so many user communities, so many segments. Um, quite often, there's like one golden rule of engagement in in each of them. What's one thing about engagement and user engagement that you wish somebody had told you? earlier in your career? Mm, gosh, I think, I think you just have to be really smart about the messaging. You have to be really smart about the timing. And, you know, if you're going to attempt personalization, you can't just do it halfway. You can't just add somebody's name into an email, <laughs> right? Like that's, that is not personalization. No. <laughs> um, I and I, I I watch other companies and I and I see other companies sort of you know attempt and trip and fail at some of these things. Um, I will use a department store as an example of you know you'll it's like did you did you love your recent purchase? Great. Like you'll also love these items. And, you know, I scan through the little carousel at the bottom of the email. I'm like, oh, you should already, you should know that I already bought this item. You should have data on that because I signed in with my email. I bought it on your app. You should know. Don't show me that. That's, that's, a, that's, that's a bad experience. And if you're going to make an attempt yeah. to, to personalize, um, be really smart about it. Think about all the edge cases, all the corner cases. And then, you know, just be honest and transparent and speak to the user as a human being, as an individual, because that's when people will listen. Nobody wants to feel like they're just one in a crowd that you're shouting through a megaphone to. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Well, Ashley, this has been so much fun. So insightful. Really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us on Clever Tap Engage. We really do appreciate your time. Oh, my pleasure. It's always so fun to talk to you both. Thank you for having me. I will weigh in again as well. Not only just appreciate your time, but the insights, very straightforward, some really good, interesting stuff that you said around engagement and some news about bundling that we will not forget, uh, guaranteed. So I just want to thank you again for sharing. Absolutely. I will keep you posted on the bundling. Wonderful. Mm. Can't wait. For our audience, if you're watching the video, hey, great. Check out the audio podcast. Might be easier to consume on the go, probably better when you're driving. If you're on the audio podcast, you want to chill on an evening, maybe a Friday evening like Peggy likes, you know, Netflix and wine and whatever. Hey, search for us on YouTube to chill. Watch us wherever you want. And of course, as we said, this is about finding the world's best marketers on the planet. We do not disappoint. Look who we had today. Uh, we get their top tips. We get their insights. We focus on major brands with big stories to tell. So if you fit the bill, DM John or myself on Twitter or LinkedIn. Email at Peggy, PeggyMobileGroove.com. Let's get you set up on a show for yourself. Until then, this is Peggy Ann Saltz. And this is John Kutzier for Clever Tap Engage. Oh.